message today. Do you know I find in my Bible that where Jesus ever went, wherever he was, the Bible uses certain phrases like, and they were all amazed. They use phrases. Mark chapter 2, when Jesus healed the man who was lame from his birth, <clears throat> he was the man they dropped to the ceiling. That uh, The Bible said that at the end of that, it says, we have never seen anything like this before. I, I feel the Lord is, is really in the past, actually several months, folks, I, I am going through as a pastor a metamorphosing. And I, I want to just, I'm going to be just completely honest with you. Okay? Uh, the Lord has really impressed on me that the direction of this house is going to be a little different. And His desire is to take us into realms of the heavenlies, into realms of, of what we have been given through Christ. How many of you know that the Bible says that our eyes have not seen, nor ears heard, nor entered in the heart the things that God hath prepared for them, and here's the key, that love Him. That is not just talking about a future tense heaven. You know, one of the things that, I mean, the Lord just has been just plowing through some of my traditions and even some of my old wineskin thinking. And the Lord has been speaking to me about doing a new thing. In fact, i got to tell you, by the way, I'm getting a little feedback, if we could just turn a little bit down. Uh, I wanted to let you guys know something. This week, I got a call from Doug Sherman, Pastor Doug, who is uh, one of the prophets that came to us this past year, and he called me. And he said, I just felt led by the Lord to call you and just talk to you and ask you how you and your church is doing. He says, the Lord, I, I cannot get you off my mind. And, uh, and I said, well, Doug, what, what are you feeling in the Spirit? And he did not know that I had been fasting. Carol and I had been fasting in prayer and seeking the Lord. And he said, Ray, I, I really sense, first of all, the Lord impressed on me to tell those who had received a prophetic word to not let dust collect on that word, but to pull that word out and to stir up the gift that was given unto you by the laying on of hands and the prophecy. Because you see, God intends for the church to become a movement rather than a monument. Now God's intending for the house of God. Remember the Bible says in Psalms that there is a city who, is, who makes glad, or no, there is a river who makes glad the city of God. In other words, when the city of God has a river in it, which speaks of a city that is moving, it's a river flowing in the city. And the sign of that city is joy. There's joy in the city because the river of His presence is flowing. 
Now, I asked the Lord, and I continue on, and John even brought this up this morning in our pre-service prayer time. By the way, I just want to encourage everybody to come to pre-service prayer. I want to tell you why. Just kind of a little commercial blank. Here it goes. You know, when, when we come into church or anywhere, by the way, do you know that we tend as human beings to carry a lot of baggage with us? We carry a lot of stuff. We carry fear, worries, we carry problems, we carry issues and during the work. And one of the reasons we have pre-service prayer is to deal with any hindrances or obstacles or baggage. What we do, we come boldly to the throne of grace. We begin to just enter into worship. We begin to thank the Lord for the precious blood that has been given over us to cleanse and to wash us. How many of you know we need to be washed on a daily basis. The reason for washing, the reason for cleansing is so all the obstacles can be removed so God can empower you. See, the purpose of this message this morning is going to activate, empower, and encourage us to come to new levels. But for some who have old wineskins, it may bring a little irritation. Because, you know, any place and everywhere Jesus went, He embodied the fullness of the Father. He embodied the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Wherever He went, He brought life. He brought change in the atmosphere. The activity and the level of the Holy Spirit was lifted wherever Jesus went. But at the same time, He created opposition. At the same time, those with religious spirits found it difficult to go to the new level. I do not believe that he is satisfied with the status quo. I do not believe that... It's not that he's unhappy with us. He loves us. He cares about us. But you know what? It's, it's kind of like a father. i got to tell you, when my boys were little, you know one of the greatest joys about being a dad, especially on birthday or Christmas, my wife and I had the greatest times going out and buying our kids Christmas presents. And you know, we wrapped those presents and, and of course our boys would come out and look under the tree and they'd shake and rattle. And I said, no, 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 don't shake it too hard. and Don't rattle and some of our kids tried to cheat. They tried to pull the tape off and look inside and see what the present. But, but the joy, the greatest joy was, was giving gifts to our kids. There's a joy in that. How many of you parents love to give gifts to your kids? Well, do you know, and this is what I'm receiving from our Heavenly Father. Tell New Life, I have lots and lots of gifts to give to my people. I want them to understand that He is full with promise. He is so full and He wants us to begin to learn how to receive and walk in this new fullness of life. You see, God never intended for the circumstances and the atmosphere to dictate your joy and to dictate your faith. But rather, God has placed all of you in impossible situations for the power of God to flow through you when you begin to see the problem 
as an opportunity for the power and the life of God to come through in those situations. Do you know why God sent Moses down? One man, one man, one solitary man. Not two, not five, not ten. God sent one man to bring an entire nation to its knees. Egypt was completely stripped because of one man. One man who didn't have a whole lot of confidence in the fact that he could even speak. Yet God used one man to bring a nation to its knees and to bring an, an entire another nation out of deliverance and bring them into the wilderness of Sinai. What is God trying to say in that picture? What's He trying to say? He's saying that if I can find one man, if I can find one church, if I can find one people, that are willing to understand how supernatural they are, we can change the world. I have one word to give to you this morning. It's, it's the mission of New Life Fellowship. If you want to know what the vision and the mission of New Life Fellowship it is, it is this. It is revival. I, I feel the Lord is speaking to me. So speak to the church. Let them know that I am bringing a today word. God has a word that He wants to speak today. Jump with me to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, verse 22. Notice what it says. No one puts new wine into old wineskins or else the new wine will burst. Everyone say burst. Burst the wineskins. The wine and then the wine is spilled. The wineskins are ruined but the new wine must be put into new wine skins. Now what Jesus was using this metaphor for was He was trying to explain and to convey to us what living in the kingdom is all about. What it is to possess the power of resurrection life. In other words, now what He's saying is like new wine. In wine... In wine, anyone who knows and studies wine, wine puts off, puts off and, 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 and eliminates or emits a gas. In other words, wherever you put wine, it creates pressure. It is a pressure that is always seeking to expand, push out. It is seeking to increase and enlarge. That's why when you put wine in a bottle, it has to be Really close tight. But in the Old Testament, New Testament, they used to put it in wineskins or goat bellies. And if that wineskin was not flexible, if that wineskin was not soaked and saturated in water and in certain chemicals, if it wasn't flexible, that new wines would literally rip and destroy that wineskin. Now what the Holy Spirit is saying through this passage is when Jesus comes, He's coming, and the revelation and the ministry of Jesus is always going to bring increase. It will always bring life, but it will require flexibility. It will require stretching. Everyone say stretch. It's going to require some stretching on our part. God's going to begin to stretch us. And He's going to begin to move in us. Now, I shared last week 
that when our church years ago began to ask for the Holy Spirit to be poured out on our little church in Portland, Oregon, we were not aware of the impact of what God's glory and what God's presence and anointing would do. i got to tell you, for the, in the beginning, we thought God's presence was simply to bless us. And we were blessed. We were anointed. We, we experienced the felt presence of God. Do you know the, that the Lord wants you to feel His presence? He's not interested in just moving your mind. He's interested in touching your heart. To him that hath ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. You see, God has to be careful where He pours out His glory. Because wherever He pours out His Spirit, His glory is like a magnet. It will begin to draw The anointing has drawing power. And when the Lord began to speak to me in the past couple of weeks, when I was, I've been, I've been studying on having the glory of God on our house. And the Lord asked me, do you really want it, Ray? Are you really ready for what the new wine is going to bring you? Are you really ready to be stretched? and enlarged and increased in areas you never thought you would be. And you know what I did? I just kind of stepped out of the boat and I said, Give it to me, God. Give it to me, God. Now you know what's so powerful? Is that Jesus is interested in putting new wine into wineskins that are first of all receptive. Everyone say receptive. If you're not receptive he will not deposit and pour out because what he said in the scripture he says you can't put new wine into old wineskins lest the wineskins burst in other words god's not interested in just blowing your theology he's not interested in coming and harming you if you are rigid if you have certain traditions, if you have certain ideologies and certain theologies that you're hanging on to, you are not willing to go to that new level. Guess what? He's not going to press you. He won't push you. You know what He will do? He will just pass you right by. Jesus said, beware lest you miss your day of visitation. I believe this year, and I don't know why, I've got to tell you something. Not only Doug called me, but Pastor Ernest Gentile. How many of you remember Pastor Ernest? He called me last month. And he called my wife and I. And he said, Ray, I want to call you. And for some reason, the Lord's put it on my heart to come to your church. He's coming August 25th of next month. But he's coming with a word from God. I don't know what it is. But he said, the Lord has put on my heart to come He's going to spend Saturday and Sunday. I really pray you put this on your... He is a prophet of God. He's a man who is unbelievable integrity uh, in the Word, but his his heart for the Lord. Now, I I want you to go with me into 1 Corinthians 2 for a second. 1 Corinthians 
chapter 2, and I want you to see what Scripture says here. Verse 12. I want to talk to you this morning again about, amen, bringing heaven. Okay, thank you, Lord. That, that title up there should be bringing heaven on earth. I forgot to add that. Notice chapter 2, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. I want you to see that God has already freely given these things that we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, compare. Everyone say compare. Really important. You cannot receive until you understand the principle and the importance of comparing. What's he talking about? He's talking about a hermeneutical principle. Comparing Old Testament principles with New Testament principles. There's a principle that's called, it's this. The old is in the new revealed and the new is in the old concealed. The Old Testament has symbols and types which are revealed in the New Testament. He says here that the Holy Spirit teaches comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But, verse 14, the natural man, everyone say natural man, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness to him. Nor can they know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges. Everyone say judge. Now that word judge means that you are operating in a spirit of discernment. You are recognizing what is of God, what is not of God. A spiritual man judges. But a spiritual man also receives. And here's another one. I'm going to take you to a new step. A spiritual man embraces what he doesn't understand even though it is foolishness. There's times where God is going to ask us to go, yet not know. He's calling us to trust and obey. He's calling us to believe Him. But you know what? My mind, my mind is a carnal mind. My mind likes to wrap itself around certain theologies and we like to get, we camp on certain traditions. And in order for God to begin to move in our midst, there must come, there must be an embracing in our lives. Something that takes us outside the realm of our own understanding and even at times it may seem foolish. How many of you know the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1, it says, For God hath chosen the foolish things of the world that confound the wisdom of men. Years ago, in, in the early 1990s, when the Holy Spirit was being poured out <clears throat> in our nation, uh, I remember there was a, a move of God taking place with Pastor John Arnott in Toronto, Canada. And when I heard about it, and when I heard about what was going on up there, in my mind... And when I heard and when I saw certain things, I began to write it off with, with in my mind, I began to write it off as, as stupidity. I began to call what God was doing because it did not fit in my wineskin. I began to say, that's stupid. That's, that's ridiculous. I can't believe that, 
that these people think that they're hearing from God. And you know what the Lord asked me to do? And you may say, well, Pastor Ray, how, do, how did the Lord speak to you? Well, first of all, when the Lord speaks, remember, God always confirms His word out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. First of all, He spoke to my spirit. But then the Lord began to speak to me through my own leadership. And God began to speak to me to, with, through men and women that I highly regard and respect. And the Lord began to speak to me and say, Ray, do not restrict or hinder what I am trying to do that involves things that you do not understand. Do not restrict me. That's what the Lord spoke to me. Do not rest Everyone say that. Do not restrict me. Say it again. Do not restrict me. Do you know it's possible to be walking with a religious spirit and not even know it? The Bible says that a religious spirit is like leaven. It spreads. It's contagious. It inflames itself. But here we find that Paul says in order to receive the things that are freely given, we must compare spiritual things. In other words, we've got to be open to the mind of God. We've got to be open to the things of the Spirit of God. Remember the Bible says, for the carnal man does not receive the things of the Spirit for they are foolishness unto him. So what does it mean to be spiritual? To be spiritual means that we have eyes for the invisible. It means that we are people who live in another realm other than the natural realm. In other words, we are people who know what it is to call those things that are not as though they are. We live by faith. Everyone say that. We live by faith. We walk. By faith. In other words, this even last night, my wife and I, we were called in the middle of the night, and I just to let you know uh, a little prayer request, but uh, Oscar and Lynette Sines called us up. Their daughter was taken into the hospital not last night because of an asthma attack. And, and they were over here at Baylor, and we were called. Carol and I got out of bed. And as Carol and I were going down to the hospital at Baylor, as Carol and I always do when we're called out, we, we begin to speak in tongues. We begin to thank the Lord. We begin to give praise to the Lord. We begin to let the Lord, we, we begin to let the know, we begin to let know that the principalities and the powers and the rulers of darkness. We begin to speak to the powers that be that we're, we're confining and restricting this young girl under this attack. We begin to speak to the powers of darkness and we begin to declare the promises of God and declare the, the goodness of God and the breakthrough that we are going to see and believe for. We were doing that on the way as we were driving. When we came in, we came into the emergency room, Oscar was standing there and, and uh, as we were praying and as we were believing God, we came in and, and the little girl, I forgot her name, but she, she was just scared to death. She had a mask on her face and scared to death. And, and I remember just coming over and my wife and I, we just circled around and we just, first of all, we begin to bind the powers of darkness and we begin to bring heaven down on earth. We begin to bring the reality of heaven 
down into our reality. And what is the reality of heaven? We are healed. We are whole. We are made whole. We are happy. We are walking in the joy of the Lord. We are walking in wholeness. We are walking in the light as He is in the light. We begin to call those things that we begin to bind the asthma and as we begin to pray and speak and we declared healing over that girl. And we begin to actually see her a little later on. She was breathing easier. She began to calm down. And the Lord, and she's still in the hospital, but we were claiming complete healing over her life. And when we left there, we gave thanks to God. Folks, let me tell you, praying for the sick isn't just say, oh God, okay Lord, if you want to, Lord, uh, Lord, uh, no, she's a sick girl. Lord, uh, can you heal? Thank you. Amen. God wants to kind of help you have some boldness and confidence as a believer. You need to come into a situation with the confidence that before you get there, she's already healed. See, faith is walking in the power of supernatural understanding and ability. And I'll I'll tell you something, folks. Sometimes people think I'm foolish. Let me tell you something. There's so much unbelief and fear in hospitals. There's there's no faith. Uh, People, well, I'll tell you, if we don't get that IV in there. By the way, I'm all for IVs. I'm all for doctors, by the way, as well. But, But when we walk by faith, God has given us the power and the authority and the dominion to actually change the atmosphere that we go into. He called you to go into a situation and literally break the powers that are binding people and set them free. That is what it is to have the glory of God on your life. Notice what the Scripture says here. I want you to see in this passage. And when He, Jesus, called His twelve disciples, He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sickness and to all kinds of diseases. And as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. What is our, forgive my typing here, it's, the yellow is not showing up. But what is, our, what is our vision? Here's our vision. We've got to believe that we are supernatural people. The baptism of the Holy Spirit makes you supernatural. The baptism of the Holy Spirit corresponds with the spirit of resurrection life. Romans 8 said, if the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, it will quicken your mortal bodies. You see, there's power in you to bring life to those who have sit in, 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 in darkness. Like Jesus, because of the indwelling. We bring heaven on earth and change the dynamic of any atmosphere through the power of our... I can't remember what I said. Spoken word, our confession. Number three, it is His will to bring the reality of His world into our world. 
It is the will of God to bring a new reality. You know, I was talking to a family here recently. They were going through a crisis. And they were going through a problem. And what they were doing is continually magnifying the problem. I said, let's magnify God. Let's start magnifying the solution. Do you know, and I looked at this leader, this husband, I said, do you know that greater is He that is in you than He is? Yeah, but Pastor Ray, you don't understand. My wife reminds me of my mistakes and my failures. She reminds me of my downfalls. And I said, well, we're going to stop that in Jesus' name. Because my Bible says that Jesus Christ has buried and He's put underneath His feet. He has taken my sins. He's justified, cleansed me, set me on a rock, put a crown on my head, put a robe of righteousness around my nakedness. He's given me beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the, the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Pastor, I just don't feel like it. I know you don't. And the devil, make sure that he lets you know you're a victim every time. But you need to start reminding him of the, his future while he's, and you stop letting him reminding you of your past. Because greater is he who is within you. If our hearts condemn us, God is greater. God has called us, church. God has called us as a church. Jump with me to, Mark chapter 1, and i got to move, my time is moving. But one of the things that the Lord has impressed on me is that He is coming into His house. When Jesus comes into His house, when glory, listen, when glory meets darkness, there's thunder. When glory meets darkness, when light meets darkness, there's going to be some lightning. Amen? You see, wherever there's a religious spirit, there is a sense of ease. Wherever there's a religious spirit, there is a desire to not be confronted. Don't confront me. Don't push me. Don't move me. I am happy where I'm at in my wineskin. I may be dead. I may not be moving. I'm not making any impact on anybody. But at least I'm happy while I'm dying. You can see, the, the, the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Spirit of God is always moving. It's never stagnant. We as a church need to always be on the move. Jesus said, follow me. He didn't say, sit down. He said, follow me. In other words, I want to take you somewhere. I want to lead you in ways and places you've never gone. Now, I want to go back to Mark 1. I want to, I, I've got to move real quick to some Scriptures. Notice, here Jesus, again, Jesus, the embodiment of the Father, the grace of God, the kingdom, as He's teaching. Verse 22, He immediately enters into a synagogue on the Sabbath, and they were astonished at His teaching, for He taught them as one having authority. Everyone say, having authority. God has given you authority. You're not some little wimp. You are a mighty man of God with authority. You have the power to create and change an atmosphere. But you've got to speak 
and call those things that are not. I find so many people, they just shrivel. They just kind of wither down. Well, the problem's big. It looks bad. What the doctors say, I don't think we're going to make it. All things are possible to them that believe. Let me tell you, there is a major need today for the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, to begin to encounter and to begin to impact our thinking where we begin to move from carnal thinking to spirit man thinking. There is a need for us to recognize that we are citizens of a heavenly kingdom that cannot be shaken. But with it, there will be a cost. There's a price to pay for this. Well, pastor, look it. You just don't understand. I'm a shy guy. I'm just not that kind of a person that steps out on the limb. I, I need things to be predictable. I'm structured. I, I'm kind of got that administrative gift. I need detail. I, I need things to be ABC. I need things to be in a row. And I'm not into this kind of stepping out on the limb. Well, get ready for a ride. Get ready. You see, yeah, let me tell you something. i I, I got to tell you something. This is amazing. I had one of my sons one time. By the way, if you should, if you would ever see my notes, you could never read them. I, you know, when I wait, I, I, I usually start out with an ABC outline when I study and wait on God. By the end of the week, it is pure chicken scratch. Every everything's going everywhere, and then when I get up to preach, like today, I don't even follow my notes because you see, now you may say, well, Pastor Ray. You are one disorganized duck. Well, here's, here's the thing that I'm finding out about me after 25 years of ministry, that the Lord created me in such a way that I just don't follow notes. I, I've got to be led by His Spirit. And, and because, you see, God is interested in connecting with you in your world. He's coming to connect with you and so many of us today have some serious battles we're facing. Some of you have been locked into bondage. There's some of you that have certain mindsets that have been locked into your brain and you can't break those certain trends of thinking. Some of you have been bound with fear. Some of you are, are, are starving for relationship and love. Some of you are so lonely. That's what the Holy Spirit told me. He says, my people are lonely. Some of them are starving. Some of them are, are sitting in bondage. Some of them sit in darkness. Some of them are sitting in doubt where they begin to question even their salvation. And the Lord impressed on me. He says, I want to bring my people into rest. I want them to know what it is, the rest of Jesus. But here we find when Jesus comes in to the, notice the first thing, verse 23, and there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit and he cried out, saying, leave us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, you holy one of God. And Jesus rebuked him saying, be quiet, come out of him. And when the unclean spirit convulsed out of him, cried out with a loud voice, it came out of him, and they were all amazed. And they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? 
What new doctrine is this? For what authority does He have? He commands even unclean spirits and they obey Him. Folks, that is church. The kind of service, you know where the Spirit of God is, is when you leave the service and say, what did we just go to? What, what in the world? Where did we just go? Nothing was predictable. They didn't see my favorite hymns. They didn't sing my favorite songs. He did not quit at the, same, the time that I... No, you see, God's bringing a new wine and it's not going to be time restrained, not going to be doctrinal restrained, it's not going to be man restrained, it's not going to be your plans restrained, it's going to be led by the Spirit. Boy, if you go through the book of Acts, Paul preached all night, a kid fell asleep, fell out of a window, dropped dead, and then Paul goes down and raises him from the dead. Paul was walking in that sense of authority and power. In other words, he would not allow anything to obstruct or hinder. God is creating within us a sense of confidence and a sense of conviction where we know who we are and what we possess. You are mighty through God in the tearing down of strongholds. You were not intended to let your problems have dominion over you. I am telling you this in the name of the Lord. I know what I'm saying is of the Holy Spirit. There's an anointing in this house. He's here to break every yoke and He's here to set the captive free. And it's with that freedom and liberty that He's baptized you with that out of Isaiah 60 where He says, I want you to arise and I want you to shine for your light has come. The glory of God upon you is what He has done within you. And what He has done within you is going to come out of you. And the Bible says, and the Gentiles shall come to your light. I want to tell you right now, you are so attractive. You are beautiful. Some of you can't handle that. You are wonderful. You are beautiful. You are blessed. You're chosen. You're highly favored of God. He thinks about you every day. His thoughts towards you are precious. Before you were born, He ordained you and called you. You belong to Him. No weapon formed against you can ever prosper. You were called, you're anointed. You have a word of faith in your mouth. You have life in your lips. You have the mind of Christ. And whatsoever you say, whatever you call on the name of the Lord, it's going to be done for you. Bible says that. We have to walk in that authority. By the way, you know what? The Holy Spirit told me this week, Ray, I want you to stay on this. Stay on it. Stay on it. Stay on it until they get it. So you may, you may say, well, I remember hearing this one preacher one time. This guy came up to his church, in his church, and the preacher had been preaching on the same message for six months. He says, Pastor, do you know anything else in the Bible besides what you preach on? He says, I sure do. But I'm not going to change it until you start doing what I've been telling you to do. You know, sometimes we just preach a message and we move to another thing. And what God's trying to do is simply ground us in what we have and what we possess. Now notice what happens. Jump over to chapter 3. Chapter 3. Here again, Jesus entered the synagogue again. Everyone say again. He's coming back again. And a man was there 
who had a withered hand. And so they watched him. What religious people do, they love to watch and criticize. They like to size it up. They want to analyze. They're watching Jesus closely, whether He would heal on the Sabbath so they might accuse Him. And He said to them, who had the withered hand, step up. In other words, I want you to come out of the shadows. You know, the Lord spoke to me. There's a spiritual application here. A man with a withered hand was a man who could walk. He had the use of one hand. In other words, he could function, but there was some dysfunction in his life. A withered hand is a hand, the, the, mean, the meaning there means to shrink. It means to be dry, withered, and in the Greek it means without feeling. In other words, there are people today that have the outward appearance of some form of function, but inside they're withered. And the word withered means the inability to grasp. There are people today that are not grasping the promises of God. They're not taking hold of what God has for them. They're withered. It means to shrink, to pull back. And notice what Jesus says to the man with the withered hand. It's time for you to step up. In other words, I'm not here to embarrass you. I'm not here to shame you. I'm here to help you. It's interesting, when Jesus comes into the scene, what does He do? He looks for people with needs. He has a care and a concern for His sheep. The religious spirit is comfortable analyzing and criticizing anything new where Jesus comes on the scene to heal and restore people that are withered. He says, step forward. The man steps forward. Then he asks, notice this. Boy, this is mind-blowing. Then he asks them this question. Is it right on the Sabbath to do good or evil? To save life or to kill? In other words, guys, what are you here for? What are you really here for? What are, you, what are you gathering? What, what are you leaders doing with these people? Are you here bringing life or are you killing them? What are you trying to do? Anytime Jesus asks a question, it is to help us examine our motives and ask us really what kind of direction are we going in. But notice the next scripture. But they kept silent. And when he looked around at them with anger being grieved here's jesus by the way if you're in a church that's not moving to new levels and moving in the power of the holy spirit it should make you angry it should grieve you my bible says jesus came in he looked around and he was angry and he was grieved. Boy, that, that's a shock, isn't it? We always thought, well, I thought Jesus was loving you. No, he looked around. Now, I wanna, uh, l- let, me, let, me, let me be clear about where he directed this anger. He wasn't directing his anger towards the people. He was directing his anger and grief towards the clergy 
who were hindering and restricting the power of God. There are people that love to stop what God's doing. And he looked around, and then he told the man with the withered hand, Stretch out! Everyone say, Stretch! God is asking us to stretch our faith. You may be withered, you may be dying, you may be dry, you may be polarized and paralyzed, but God will speak to the very problem. He will speak to the issue in your life. And He will say, stretch out your hand. Now how many of you know when God speaks into our life, there's a tender tendency to recoil? I remember years ago, the Lord, I was, I was in a tiff with my wife. And I was having a problem. Well, I've got to be a little transparent here. had a tiff with her. We had an argument. And you know what? I recoiled back. I just chose to not talk to Carol for a couple of days. And my wife was fixed meals and dinner. said, Ray, what's, what's going on with you? And I'd say, nothing. I was a liar. Oh, I lied. I'm doing fine. Now, and I remember crawling into bed, and I'd crawl to the very, very edge of my bed and turn the opposite way. And she put her arm on me and said, Ray, what's wrong? I'm fine. I'm just, I'm just really tired. I had a busy day today. Liar. I was holding on to my pain, my anger, and my bitterness. And I was hurt. There was an area where I felt hurt in. But you know, the Lord began to speak to me. He says, Ray, if you want to see your marriage healed, you need to stretch out your faith. And I needed to stretch my faith by coming to my wife. And I said, you know, Carol, I've been holding back because of anger, because of my bitterness. And I'm asking you to please forgive me. I know my heart's not been right, and for two days I punished you with silence. By the way, I was so miserable when I was doing that. I thought I had the upper hand, but really I was losing in the long run. It was childish. It was You may think, Pastor Ray, you actually do that? Yeah, I've done that. And you know why God even uses me? It's to give you guys hope that if He can save me, He can save you. If he can use a guy like me that does such stupid things. By the way, I've done such stupid, crazy things. I've fallen on my face so many times. I've blown it. I've made mis- I fell on. I've fallen into sin at times. But thanks God, He gave me the power and the grace and the love to help me be restored back. But I'm here to tell you right now, if He can do it in me, if He can restore me, if He can fill me, anoint me, use me, touch me, and bring life to others, He can do it to you. We're not here because we've achieved anything in our own strength or works. We're not up here because, well, we've done some mighty thing and we've walked in total holiness before God. No, we're up here by His grace and grace alone. So when He comes to this man who has been withered in His hand, withered in his hand. Jesus comes and he speaks to the man with the withered hand. And he says, it's time to step up. It's time to take a stand and believe me in the midst of this situation. Now, I'm going to tell you something, folks. When you begin to step out and move out and move into the things of God, guess what it's going to draw? It's going to draw some persecution. 
Because no sooner that this man was healed, they begin to plot how they might destroy Jesus. I want you to jump over with me to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. First John chapter 4, verse 17. Notice what it says. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. God has perfected love in us. In other words, He loves us so much that there is a boldness, not just in the day of judgment to come, But God has perfected His love in us so that we can have boldness every day. Every day. Because how many of you know every day we have to make judgments? Every day is a day of judgment. Every day is where we need to move out. And then notice what the rest of this Scripture says. Because as He is so are we in this world. That is a powerful Scripture. As He was or is, so are we. Well, how is He? Jump over with me to John 17. How was Jesus? I'm closing with this. How was Jesus? Wherever Jesus went, He went with open heavens. John 17, verse 21. Notice the prayer of Jesus before He was to be crucified. He said, verse 20, I do not pray for those alone, but for those who will believe in Me through their Word. How many of you believe in Him through your Word? Notice what He says. That they all may be one as You, Father, are in Me. And I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Here Jesus is saying that unless we have a spirit of unity in this house, the world won't believe it. There's got to be love in the house. There has to be unity in the house. You can have all the miracles you want. You can have a great worship time. But if we don't have unity, the world won't believe it. There has to be a spirit of unity. And then he says, And the glory, everyone say glory, which you gave me, I have given them. God has given you the glory. As He was, so are we in the world. That means you have open heavens. You are one who can see the Spirit descending as Jesus saw it. And the Bible says, you constantly walk with the voice who says, You are my beloved sons and daughters in whom I am well pleased. As He is, so are we in the world. In fact, my Bible says, Greater works are we going to do. You may say, Well, Pastor Ray, this this just seems too far out there. This seems too far-fetched. You got it. You bet. God has given you the power. He's given you the mind of Christ. You are no longer some victim being tossed to and fro. He says He's given you the glory and I have given them that they may be one just as we are one and I and them and you and me that they may be made perfect. Everyone say perfect. In one that the world may know. Notice this. 
The world can't know until you begin to start thinking that you are walking in perfect life as Jesus was. The world won't know it. Everyone say perfect. perfect. I know some of you are having a problem with this one. What does it mean to be perfect? That doesn't mean that you're faultless. But what it means is you are walking in the kind of alignment that opens the windows of heaven for the life of God. See, God has to find some church, some person on earth that will actually agree with what is in heaven. He's got to have someone that will actually stretch out, take a hold of a truth, and believe it even though it is foolishness. Because God chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wisdom of it. You say, Pastor, what are you getting us ready for? I don't know. I really don't know. Well, what are you preaching this for? I really don't know. Also, I'm telling you, it's kind of like what God told Moses. God told Moses, lead my people out. Where? Just lead them. Where? I, I don't know. God, where do you want? Just lead them out. Just go. Go. Well, God, I, I, I'm not that kind of a person. I, I need some steps, some organization. I need structure. I need a plan. And you just say, go. I'm not that kind of a God. Do you know why God doesn't tell you everything? Because we think we're so smart and we think we can figure it out. And if God doesn't at times hold us in limbo, He can't move supernaturally. You see, it's my ways and my brain and my thinking that has a tendency to hinder what He wants to do that is outside the realm of our understanding. I know that sounds weird. And it is. Because you see, I don't know about you guys, but I think raising the dead is weird. How many of you have ever been speaking to a dead corpse lately? Coming into a hospital, praying for the sick. Amen, Lynette. Here she is. How's your daughter doing? Huh? Doing much better? Praise God. We prayed for her last night. Thank God. She's doing better. Amen. Praying for the sick. God wants to put a boldness in this house. He wants you to know that you have power beyond your own knowledge. Notice what else Jesus said. He's filled us with the glory. Then He says this, verse 24, Father, I desire that they also whom You gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold My glory. He doesn't want us just to have the glory. He wants us to behold the glory. Which You have given them for you have loved me before the foundation of the world. O oh, righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. And these have known that you have sent me. And I have declared to them your name. And will declare it that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. I want you to know you have a Father that loves you so much. And He has a heritage for you. And there is no sin, there is no problem, there is no mistake that will hinder what God has for you. Because where sin abound, His grace does much more abound.
God wants to bring a freedom and a liberty in this house. God wants to lift the level of your vision, the level of your faith. He wants those who are withered to stretch out their faith this morning. I just want to say to this lady right here, you are precious in the sight of the Lord, and you have been weary. And I just, I just sense to my spirit, the Lord wants to bring a refreshing and a life on you. And you know the things, God is going to cause you to forget those things which are behind. And He's going to bring a, a sense of expectancy and a sense of yearning and, and faith. He's going to give you something to believe in, something to hope for again. I want to give you that Jeremiah 29, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you that are not evil, but thoughts of peace to give you a future and a hope. Can I just have your hand? Father, I thank you for this sister. God's going to bring you out of a dry and weary land. You've been in a dry land, but God's going to bring you into a place of seasons of refreshing. He loves you this morning. He comes to place his hand upon you, and he declares, You are mine, saith the Lord. I just feel the Lord wants to confirm to you that He's going to take away the doubt and the fear concerning your even your own salvation. You belong to Him. You belong to Him. You belong to Him. Father, we just pray that You bring healing to her body. Bring strength to her spirit in Jesus' name. It is a new day in God for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Mary, praise God. A vessel of honor. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, saith the Lord. In what the enemy meant for evil, God is going to take and use you as a vessel of honor to bring life to people that are broken. You have a testimony. You have a word. You're chosen by God. Your identity, a new identity the Lord gives you. You're a Christian. You're a believer. You're in the kingdom. And today the Lord just takes off what the enemy tried to place on you. The enemy tried to destroy and wipe you out. He tried to say that you were worthless. But I come this morning to place a new beauty on you, saith the Lord. I come to envelop you with my love and my righteousness. I'm going to take away the fear and the intimidation and I come to wrap you with my righteousness this day. In Jesus' name. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. God is good. Amen. Let, let's, let's stand to our feet. I feel, how many of you just sense the anointing here?